When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about surprise, cover, and hiding. So, these three topics are not really big enough individually to warrant their own episode, but all are very, very important in D&D. Also, there is a lot of interconnectivity between them, so we're going to just cover the three together in this single episode. So that being said, let's dive right in. Surprise! So, well, actually, sorry, let me backtrack a moment. Before I do get into surprise itself... I just want to do talk a little bit about all three of these things as an overview. So surprise, cover, and hiding are incredibly important rules in Dungeons & Dragons, given that all three of those are things that come up all the time, but are very often not used correctly or incredibly confusing in how they're phrased at times. So I'm going to be trying to give the simple, this is what it says, this is how it actually works. So with that being said, let's dive right in. So there are in previous editions what is referred to as a surprise round if you succeed in sneaking up on something else before starting combat. However, that's not quite how it works in 5th edition. So the way that it works is that... If neither side is trying to sneak, everyone automatically notices each other. In the event that someone does try to surprise the other group, then the DM compares the stealth checks of everyone who's trying to hide with the passive perception of every creature that might notice them. And any creature that doesn't notice the stealth creature is surprised. Now, what is very, very important about this, some characters can be surprised while others are not. So this is a thing that is incredibly important and one of the ones that is most often done incorrectly. So even if a group does succeed at stealthing to most, but one of the enemies does have a good enough passive perception to notice, then that character will notice even if the others are surprised. So I'm kind of going just back and forth on the words. So now let me actually try to explain what this actually does. So during the first round of combat, a character who is surprised does not get to take a turn during the first round. So it is, there is not an entire surprise round. It is treated individually by creature 
if the individual creature is surprised, then they do not get a turn on the first round of combat. So what this is very important about in terms of a group, let's say you're sneaking into a camp that has somebody keeping watch, or let's say there's two people keeping watch. Now, let's say that one person is surprised, but the other is not. Initiative is what is very, very important here. So technically speaking, you can talk during combat on your turn. However, if it is not yet your turn, you are not considered to have acted yet in that first round. And that is what is most important in terms of surprise. So if there is a character who is surprised, but their ally is not surprised, then initiative matters a lot. So even if the one who is who is not surprised, so they succeed on their perception, then what that means is that it, they can't warn their ally until it is their actual turn in combat. So if the players roll initiative better, then anyone who goes before them would be able to get surprise against the creature who is surprised. So that sounds very confusing. So let me try to just give a direct example. Two character like two player characters sneak up on two guards. One of them does okay on their stealth check, one of them does meh. But one guard has terrible passive perception and does not notice. The other guard notices. So initiative is rolled for all four people. However, let's say the player characters get 15s on both of their initiatives just by convenient coincidence. And let's say the guards get a 10 and an 8. Well, actually, no. Let's go in another direction. Let's say the guard with bad passive perception happens to roll well and get a 17, but the guard who does notice rolls poorly and gets a 10. So guard who rolled badly does not know that combat has started. Uh, sorry, guard who rolled badly on his perception, that is. So guard with 16 initiative does not get to take a turn because he does not know that combat has started. Player characters with their 15 initiatives would then get to go, and they could attack that guy, and he would be surprised. So if there's, say, an assassin in the group, then they would still get their effects. After that, the guard gets to go, and combat continues as normal from there. Once the first guard is attacked, well, he's not surprised anymore because, hey, somebody just attacked him. So it is not an entire round of everybody getting to attack with surprise it is individually is each character surprised or not and this is one of the things that actually makes a barbarian of sufficient level very valuable is that they have a class feature that if they rage as the first thing that they do then they can cancel surprise when they roll initiative, and they can then get the first turn and warn the party that there are enemies attacking. 
So features like that are incredibly rare. I want to say that it is only barbarians that have such a feature to cancel surprise. Uh, or I think there may be a feat that just allows you to not be surprised, but such things are uncommon to say the least. So that's surprise. That pretty much sums it up. You compare the stealth checks of the party versus the passive perception of the things you're trying to sneak up on. You all roll initiative, and the characters who are surprised do not get to take a turn during that first round, but only the ones who are surprised. So moving on then to cover. Cover is the ability to have something between you and things that are trying to hurt you. So there are three degrees of cover, which grant increasing bonuses to your defense. So there is half cover, three quarters cover, and total cover. So half cover is where you have something to block you halfway. So that could be... so. Uh, in the player's handbook, they describe that as there could be a low wall, a large piece of furniture, a narrow tree trunk, or a creature, whether that creature is an enemy or a friend. And that last part is the aspect of this that is probably most often misunderstood. So what it actually grants you, so if you have this half cover, you get a plus two to your AC and dexterity saving throws. So what this tends to be in-game, let's say that you're fighting against a wizard who is hiding behind you know, a knight in full plate with a shield. So even though you might be able to target the wizard, the fact that they have this ally in front of them means that they have half cover from your own ranged attacks. So in that situation then, that wizard would have a plus two to their AC and to any dexterity saving throws for a targeted spell. Now, what is important about this is that it matters from the direction that an attack is coming from. This is one of the few situations where direction really actually matters in the game. Usually it doesn't. But in this situation, that dexterity saving throw bonus only applies to things that come from the direction of where their cover is. So if someone is hiding behind a knight or hiding behind a wall, but someone just sets off a fireball behind them, they don't get cover for that because it's behind them, so the cover isn't helping them. If you've got a wizard who's surrounded completely by eight knights all around him, that guy, on the other hand, would still get that bonus to a dex save for a fireball because he is surrounded on all sides. So figuring out whether someone has cover or not at all is one of the more complicated aspects of cover. So to determine whether something has cover or not is largely up to DM decision. But for the most part, if you can draw lines between 
the thing attacking you and the target, and at least two of those lines have something blocking it, then they'd have half cover. Moving up from that, though, if you can be covered three quarters of the way, then you get three quarters cover. So again, back to the player's handbook, that's described as having an obstacle between you, such as a portcullis, an arrow slit, or a thick tree trunk. And what that grants is a plus five to AC and dexterity saving throws. So in that situation, you can barely see the thing that you are trying to attack is the best way that I can sum that up. So to be honest, using that previous example of the guy who was surrounded completely by knights, I would argue that that guy would probably have three quarters cover because he is completely surrounded, but there are still gaps because it is not a single solid object that is protecting him. So if you do have a squishy member in the party, this can and should more often be taken advantage of to shield them quite literally with your own bodies for the tankier members to help keep them safe because the ability to grant allies with the right setup, even a plus two can be very valuable, but with the right positioning, a potential plus five is enormously valuable for the squishier types of characters. And again, because of course an episode can't go by without me mentioning this, action economy. This is where that comes in. If you have the numbers on your side, or if the enemy has numbers on their side, to surround their more vulnerable members, whether that is a magic user or a healer, whatever the situation may be, numbers matter. And the ability to boost your defenses by taking advantage of that should not be underestimated and just use it more, really. <laughs> anyway, Last up, total cover. So total cover is where you are completely blocked, so there is no space for an attack to target you. So you are just flat out behind a wall. You are completely concealed by an obstacle. So if you're inside a building and someone's outside, they can't target you because they can't see you. There is no line of effect at all. So in that situation, though, there are some exceptions, and it's the same one that I mentioned for half cover. Area of effect abilities are very dangerous for that reason. So if you have an entire wall that you are hiding behind, then an ally can't target you. But if the enemy blows up the wall or just shoots next to the wall and the spell they shoot has an area of effect large enough to reach you, then you are still targeted and potentially hit. So even total cover, it's completely protecting you from direct attacks, but you must still be wary of area of effect. So half cover, if you just have something hiding half-ish of you. Three quarters cover for three quarters cover. So they are logically named at the very least. And total cover 
if you are completely blocked by something. Any questions on cover? Very often, I see that most DMs choose not to use cover because um, it's something that requires a lot of pre-planning, typically. I would argue that. So I would say more often than not, half cover is the one that is most common to be used. So that's just the situation of if you try to attack someone who's got a buddy in front of them, then they have a plus two to their AC. That is the situation that I would say comes up the most often and is also often the most ignored situation. So when that does happen, a DM is supposed to grant a plus two to AC and deck saves for that half-covered opponent. So could you plan more to use you know, larger obstacles like trees and such, yes. And yes, that would require substantially more planning. But in that situation, I can more understand the DM prerogative to not use the more complicated types of cover. But at the very least, I would suggest that DMs should use half cover whenever someone has it, because they do often. <laughs> Alrighty then. So moving on to hide. So hide, I saved for last because it is the most complicated by far. This is the one that is the most complicated, the most annoying just to find the rules for. So just for the record, before I even actually do the reading, just to let you all know where the reading is, because it is not obvious, and that's part of what's so frustrating about it. So there is a description for the hide action in Chapter 9 of the Player's Handbook under Actions in Combat. Hide. Makes sense. Then there is a description of unseen attackers and targets further down in chapter 9 under making an attack. However, the actual description on what hiding grants you is two chapters earlier. And that's back in chapter 7 in the section on ability checks. So in particular, the actual description on hiding is page 177 of the player's handbook. So you all know, because that is one that is annoyingly difficult to find, because in the actual description on the hide action, it doesn't tell you where to freaking find the description on hiding. And it's two chapters earlier. So on the bright side, silver lining, I guess, that page number is in the index for hiding, but there's nothing in the book that actually tells you where to find it unless you use the index. So that being said, that's where it is. Now let's actually go into what it is. So the hide action only says, make a stealth check in an attempt to hide following the rules for hiding. If you succeed, you gain certain benefits as described in the unseen attackers and targets section later in this chapter. That's it. That's all it says. The very first description on hiding. That's it. Helpful, ain't it? So you make a stealth check and try to hide following the rules for hiding, which is two chapters earlier in a sidebar. Anyway, so it says to see that unseen attackers and targets. So let's go there. 
combatants often try to escape foe's notice by hiding, casting the invisibility spell, or lurking in darkness. When you attack a target that you can't see, you have disadvantage on the attack roll. This is true whether you're guessing the target's location or you're targeting a creature you can hear but not see. If the target isn't in the location you targeted, you automatically miss. But the DM typically just says that the attack missed, not whether you guessed the target's location correctly. Now, on the other side, when a creature can't see you, you have advantage on attack rolls against it. If you are hidden, both unseen and unheard, when you make an attack, you give away your location when the attack hits or misses. So there are a number of important things in there. So that mention of invisibility is where I'm going to focus on this and then move on to actually how to hide. So this primarily just describes the difference. So when you cast the invisibility spell, you're not actually hiding because you can still be heard unless you take the action to roll a stealth check. However, because of the fact that a creature cannot see you, but can hear you, they can hear where you are. So if they target where you are, they will roll with disadvantage because they can't see you, but they may know where you are. However, if they target the wrong spot, then they automatically miss. And DMs ought to be careful to not say whether they target the right space or not. So that is on the DM to not give that away. Also, that last line is also very important. If you are hidden, both unseen and unheard, when you make an attack, you give away your location when the attack hits or misses. So that answers a question that a lot of players and DMs get wrong, which is that if you have extra attack for a character who's hiding, do you get your bonuses to both attacks or just the first one and that does spell it out clearly when you make an attack you give away your location so you are no longer hidden from the first attack so the second one would be normal so now let's move on to that actual uh, sidebar describing hiding when you try to hide make a stealth check until you're discovered or you stop hiding, that check's total is contested by the perception check of any creature that actively searches for signs of your presence. You can't hide from a creature that can see you. And if you make noise, such as shouting a warning or knocking over a vase, you give away your position. An invisible creature can't be seen, so it can always try to hide. Signs of its passage might still be noticed, however, and it still has to stay quiet. In combat, most creatures stay alert for signs of danger all around, so if you come out of hiding and approach a creature, it usually sees you. 
However, under certain circumstances, the dungeon master might allow you to stay hidden as you approach a creature that is distracted, allowing you to gain advantage on an attack before you are seen. When you hide, there's a chance someone will notice you even if they aren't searching. To determine whether such a creature notices you, the DM compares your stealth check with the creature's passive perception score, which is 10 plus their perception modifier. If the creature has advantage, add 5 to their passive perception. For disadvantage, subtract 5. So what can you see? One of the main factors in determining whether you can find a hidden creature or object is how well you can see in an area, which might be lightly or heavily obscured. So there is a, that was a large block of text with a lot of information in it. So let me try to make that, well, more common use of language. So you make a stealth check, and automatically it gets compared against the passive perception of things around you. So that is very important. So let's say a guard has a perception score of 5. Then they would have a passive perception of 15. So that is the difficulty check that a stealthing character needs to beat. However, there is then the ability to actively search for signs of someone hiding. So that is the case where someone rolls a perception check. So because it is 10 plus the modifier for passive perception, that does mean then that it is only halfway to their potential maximum ability. So someone actively searching has a chance to potentially find you, assuming you don't have a ridiculously high stealth score, that is. So, that there is one detail in there that most people, I would say, don't even know about that is very important as well. If a creature has advantage, add 5, and disadvantage, subtract 5 for the passive perception. There are a couple of magic items, such as the Weapon of Warning or the Sentinel Shield, as well as a few class abilities that grant advantage on perception. So if a creature is attuned to one of those items or has one of those class abilities, if they have advantage on perception, adding 5 to their passive perception is a relatively unknown bonus to that. So that is something that makes those abilities, as well as those magic items, that much more powerful and useful. So in that situation, let's say one of those guards I mentioned earlier had such an item, then that would give him a passive perception of 20, which would make it very, very difficult to sneak up on such a person, even considering you know, a decent stealth bonus from the person trying to sneak up. So even with a very moderate score of 5, they would still get that plus 10 and plus 5. So if you actually had particularly competent or well-trained guards in an area that had a plus 10, then they would have a passive perception of 25, which would make it very difficult to sneak up on such a place. So that is something that 
players should be aware of and DMs should really take more advantage of in terms of the world building side of things. Passive perception is very underutilized. Most people think it is an active role every time, but it is meant to be a passive perception comparison, which is also why... So another tangent and another direction. A lot of the time when there is a monster in the woods, the DM asks the party to roll a perception check to see if they notice. However, they're not supposed to according to the rules as written. In actuality, the DM is supposed to compare the enemy's stealth check to the party's passive perceptions. And that is really rarely done. I've actually messed up until I was, you know, rereading this a time ago. So that being said, so to sum up, a stealth check against passive perception. If someone wants to use an action to do a rolled perception check, if they are suspicious for some reason, they can try to do that. But generally, stealth versus passive perception. And I think that's it. So, any questions on hiding? Oh, actually, uh, sorry, it's something I should very much mention. So, how this all ties together, then, in terms of hiding. So, if you succeed on that stealth check, then this is where all three topics that we talked about come together. So, that's very important for me to go over. If you succeed on the stealth check, you are hidden. When you are hidden then you are unseen and unheard, which means you can make an attack roll with advantage against a target who cannot see you. But making that attack, whether it hits or misses, removes the hidden condition from you. So you would then need to use another action or a bonus action if you're a rogue or a monk spending a key point to become hidden once again. So you hide, and then after you're hidden, you can make the attack roll with advantage. So the most common use of actively using the hide action in combat is for rogues. So I'm going to go on a sidebar now, specifically going through how that works for the rogue. The rogue has that trait, cunning action, to hide as a bonus action instead of an action. So a rogue must have sufficient cover to be completely unseen. So this is one of those very important parts that we talked about earlier for cover, which is that you need to have total cover because if an enemy sees you, you cannot become hidden from it. The one exception I will mention, though, there's the halfling racial ability, which allows them to take the hide action when they only have half cover behind another creature. And that is why that is such a powerful racial ability, is that it makes it extraordinarily easier for a halfling rogue, or halfling anything really, to become hidden should they choose to do so. Anyway, so the rogue in question hides whether they are you know, behind a wall that just completely hides them from view. Now, this is the part that most people mess up. So this is very, very important. 
when they step out from behind the wall to try to take their attack with advantage. It only works if you attack someone who cannot see you, or if the DM allows them to be considered sufficiently distracted, I believe is the way that that was phrased in the sidebar. So you can't just hide and pop out an attack. The other creature that you're attacking cannot be able to see you when you pop out. Otherwise, you're visible. Unless you're actually invisible, when you take the extra attack, then you still are giving up on being hidden. So you must, must be sure to attack things who cannot see you. And this is also why invisibility as a power is so very valuable because you are automatically unseen, which makes it much easier for you to hide. So that being said, surprise, cover, and hiding are three aspects of D&D that are very often misused. So hopefully this helps you all out. And as always, have fun! Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tears stars those a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we'll be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Podcast on Facebook as Riffwick, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.